All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Be Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Murphy, finally joined by the one, the only, DT, a.k.a. Denise Thomas. Denise, welcome. Thank you for having me, Connor T. Murphy. You're welcome. Now, as you'll notice, um, the least interesting thing about Denise is her sweatshirt. So let's just get that out of the way first so we can really move on to some important subjects. It's just like... Um, speaking of, okay, uh, current events, how did the Eagles play last night? Horrible. Who'd they lose to? Seahawks. Where are they from? The lesser of the bird. They're from your hometown. Seattle, Washington? Yeah, they're, mm. they're not too good. I haven't watched much of them. But, guys, I am so excited to finally get Denise on the show uh, for many of different reasons. One, Denise is a very, 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 very dear friend of mine. She's been referenced on nearly every podcast episode from us coaching together at Reebok CrossFit One, from us working together with CrossFit Level One seminar staff, and just doing a host of different events, um, hanging out inside and outside of the CrossFit affiliate. Denise knows CrossFit, the inside and out, the coaching world, the how to run a gym, every piece of it more than nearly every person that I know that is at the top in CrossFit, and it is such an honor to have her here on the show. Well, thank you for having me. And it's been a while, but it's worth it now because we're here. I'm going to talk about it, but that was a really nice introduction. Thank you very much. Yes. It's always hard because uh, my goal is to get right into the podcast. And a lot of times people have accolades that are like, oh, this is really going to draw some attention into people. And when I've had, you know, some of the DJs that I train, it's like, hey, like, let's just get into it. But I feel like some of the things that you've done and accomplished, um, it, it, it draws people in to listen to what you have to say um, from like an outside perspective. So seeing has been like, holy shit, like she's done all of this. Like I want to hear what she has to say. And then you get into the goods of that. Um, or even just in the positions that you've been in, as soon as you start talking to people, they're like, oh, I'm listening to her because I'm terrified of what will happen if I don't. Uh, but what are you currently doing now? And then let's kind of talk about your journey and, um, and just everything you have going on. Yeah, it's funny when you talk about the people though you've had on this podcast and now I'm on it because it's, it's intimidating in some ways um, because of the scope of industry in general. So when you talk about accolades, I guess I don't really think about the, what I've done in, in the CrossFit space as accolades, they just kind of, they kind of like happen. And when you do stop to think about it, it's, it's the worst thing you can do because that's when ego can develop. And really, I mean, what have we done? And we can get into that as we go. But I guess where I am right now, is that the question you asked me? Yeah. Where I am, what's, where I am? what's going on right now with DT? Right now. Well, right now I'm working for CrossFit HQ. My title is seminar staff manager. And what I do for CrossFit is I still work seminars as a flow master, which is the course supervisor, level ones, which is the introductory course for trainers that want to coach CrossFit for the first time. And then the level two is the follow-up course to that. So I have the privilege of leading those courses with a, a team of trainers, including yourself. I would say, yeah, that's the primary role that I've done for over a decade. And of uh, recently over the last few years, my role changed to seminar staff manager where I assumed a full-time role with CrossFit. And that 
That involved helping develop the seminar staff under Chuck Carswell, the seminar staff excellence manager, and then working as a mentor for flow masters who mentor trainers, and that's under Todd Widman. And then most recently, I, I kind of moved out of that role and into a role that helps oversee the global mentor program that CrossFit have put together, which just provides mentoring services for affiliate owners and coaches, and uh, also level four candidates that are unsuccessful in the, the most prestigious credential we have, which is the level four. And uh, I also get the honor and the privilege, and this is one of my favorite things, to travel around and speak at summits for affiliate owners. Um, I come from the education department, so we talk about coaches and what it means to be a CrossFit coach and what, what are we trying to achieve and help them leave in with some inspiration, a little bit of education, some how-tos and just having the opportunity to like brush shoulders with people. So that's big picture just for CrossFit. And then there are other things I do outside of that. I want to dive into that and I want to get, I want to get into layman's terms with what you do because if you have any experience in coaching, and I'm not talking about trainers, I'm talking about coaches, people who improve the quality of life of other people through movement and through diet and through improving and understanding quality movement versus not quality movement. And it, we're talking like the deep dive into coaching. In layman's terms, what Denise is saying is that your favorite coach learned how to coach from Denise. She's your favorite coach's favorite coach. She has been on the level one and level two training team for essentially any person in the Northeast area, at least, who has gone through that. And then not only that, but the people who have gone through the level one or level two course throughout the U.S., the trainers that they had on their team, she also gets to work with and mentor. And that's why I'm so excited to have her on here today. And we were actually talking about this. We got a chance to work out over at, uh, at our CrossFit affiliate in Charlestown and you know, we were just talking about how impressive it is to be at the level she's at. And it's hard to explain. Unless you're in the CrossFit space, it's hard to realize exactly where Denise is. However, all it takes is for you to go to or attend one class, whether it be a seminar or it be just a regular CrossFit class that she is coaching because you understand the amount of detail that goes into planning that actually goes into coaching. She sets, she, she is the gold standard for coaching. But she's done that from an area that hasn't had this perfect setup background. You know, we talk about it being, oh, she's, she's, the, she's the best, like, female trainer or she's a, she's a women's empowerment. And we, we talk about this stuff and it's like, well, she's the best trainer and she's the best at empowering, like, like all of those things. But coming from a background is why it's like I'm just so excited to have you on here to talk about your process and talk about how you've gained the confidence that you have to get to where you are. So that's kind of where I want to start off. And I think the beginning um, where I want to start is you had finished college, you got your master's in exercise science, mm -hmm. and then and then your introduction into the training world and how you got to where you are from here. So where were you? Because there's a lot of people who have degrees and they don't know where they want to go. They're in any aspect of fitness, but they're like, where do you start? Mm. Um, I'll take it back a step before the master's degree. And what I did before CrossFit was I played football, like soccer, if you're an American, but I played football my whole life. And I ended up achieving international experience with the Irish national team. And I had um, several wonderful years doing that on the main stage. And I, it was just everything to me. I, if you went back to England right now and you said Denise Thomas, people that knew me would be like, oh, the football player. 
So that was all I knew from age six to 28. And that's 2008. That's when I found CrossFit. But I went to college in the U.S. on a soccer scholarship, Central Connecticut State, Blue Devil Pride. And um, I did four years there. And after that, I was ready to go home. I'm like, I miss home. I want to go home. I've had enough. But I had the opportunity to do my master's degree in at Long Island University in Brooklyn, where I got my exercise science degree. And during that time, I had an internship in Midtown Manhattan at a sports performance facility. Um, and it was there where I was first introduced to CrossFit. So it was 2000, early 2008. A guy came in. I've told this story a bunch of times, but there was a guy that would come in. He was a contractor. He would rent out space and train his personal clients. And I was an, an employee there. And I would do things like multi-directional drills, acceleration drills, top-end max velocity drills, a little bit of weightlifting, and we would serve high school, collegiate, and professional athletes. And this guy would come in all the time with his personal clients, and he was huge. And he would do all these things um, that I'd not seen or I was like intrigued by. And one day he came in and he had like bandages on his hands and he was still doing pull-ups. And I'm like, what is this guy? Like, what is he do? I, I have to go talk to him. So I did, and I had an ego too, of course. I was like, well, I'm doing the whole thing, perform better, NSCA. I was knee deep in that, all that academic stuff. And he's like, oh, it's this thing, CrossFit. Cause I'm like, what are you doing? You have pull-ups, bandages. And I said, CrossFit. And it's funny now, even just having this conversation, because if we say CrossFit now, People, even people that don't work out have heard of it. Mm -hmm. Back, think about 2008, and I'm like, cross, like CrossFit? He's like, yeah, and he, showed, he pulled up his flip cam. Do you remember the thing that had the USB that would just stick out the side? You press the button and there was a USB that stuck out and you plugged it into your computer. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember. I'm older than you, but it was <laughs> like tiny little screen, and it's like him doing burpees and pull-ups on this dusty like ranch in the middle of somewhere in California. It was the 2008 CrossFit Games. He's like, you want to try it? I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, marathons, international soccer players, me over here. And I did it. And normally when you hear the story of people getting into CrossFit, they're like, oh, my God, it was this workout and it changed my life. And it wasn't that for me. It was just I felt very vulnerable doing this workout. I didn't think I knew what was going on. And um, it made me feel intrigued. So that was my introduction into CrossFit, the, how I first got into it. Um, and then from there, Dave and I, that was my friend's name, Dave, we took our level one together and level, and then we did our level two quicker than we were told to do it. And the journey just went on from there. So that, that was my start into CrossFit. And from the start into CrossFit, you thought you're coming from a sports performance background and you didn't, you didn't drop that. You weren't like, I did one CrossFit workout, like I'm not doing any of the same stuff. It was like, did you start to incorporate it in? What was... How did that how did that journey go from it being and it's not that they're that different, really, <clears throat> like when you think about like from movements. Like, you know, granted they've changed their standards on what a squat should be or looks like, but like it's not like you're you know, it's uh, again, there's sim similarities in it, but how did that transition happen? To just go from traditional fitness to CrossFit? Yep. Like when um, did you start incorporating it with your clients and being like, oh, here's a way that to expose you for a workout? And how did that go? It, it was from day one. It was from when I did that first workout with Dave. And after that, I would then, I went from training the traditional way. And when I say traditional, I mean 
just things that we know that work, like strength programs, interval training, uh, time-based circuits. But Dave would be like, hey, train with me. And I would just do what he did. But he would tell me, um, oh, you got to write, you got to log that. You got to write that down. And I'd be like, why? Oh, you got to tell me how many reps you got. And I'd be like, I, why? You know, because I, I was used mm-hmm. to like 30, all right, 30 seconds, do as many reps as you can. And they, I was always big on quality. So the facility I worked at, we were huge on quality of movement. And I had a really cool mentor at that time too that was big on that. So I got that. But this whole like shining the light and emphasis on measure, measurable work and how it held you accountable, like, like I ju- that was so intriguing to me. So we would just, I would just train with him all the time. And then eventually I got into doing a competition that was a huge event in the CrossFit space, but I just thought I could show up and, and do it. And I got professional smashed. athlete and marathoner. So <laughs> yeah. why wouldn't you be able to, you know, why not? But, um, I'm like, Oh, they have standards. Like there's actually a start and a finish to this movement where they tell me whether it was good or not good. And that didn't exist before to me. It was, there was no like movement standard there was quality like knee over toe but there was no like range of motion standard so that that was um a huge shift for me when i was when i was comparing the two and you competed in what is what was known as sectionals right at the time or was that regionals no i i complete well the first crossfit competition i ever signed up for because i was like dave i signed up for this competition and I show up and it's the 2009 regional, which means the top five men and women go to the, the games. Mm-hmm. I finished second to last. And Connor, I, like, I tell this story a lot, but I have never in my whole life been as sore as I was on day two. And they expected me to go and do another workout. So it was a, like a miserable experience, but the most exhilarating and refreshing and enlightening experience. Like, and I was just like, I want, I am horrible at this and I want more. Um, and so then I did sign up the next year for the sectional, which I got second, second place, second to last to second place, second, there may have only been 50 people crossfitting at that time in the world, but nonetheless, so I got second and then I went to the regional, which was the stage before the games and I got smashed. I I couldn't, (laughs) the weights got heavier and the skills got more complex and there were, there were like men and women out there that were just like had been doing this thing for a long time. And I was just, I was in awe, honestly. It was, it was cool. I think that's what drove, drew me to it. It was like cool, you know? What drew you to? So that's like the competition side of it. But then from the coaching side, was it the measurable stuff that, or after seeing that there was range of motion standards that they actually could make movements objective about what you wanted? Is that what drew you in? Or what drew you into the coaching side of it? Well, the coaching, so my, my, Journey into coaching was through the seminar staff, like getting onto level one seminar staff. And it was interesting because I was at a place where you asked me if I, if I started to incorporate CrossFit training into my, what I was doing traditionally, and I did. And that didn't sit too well with the owner of that establishment at that time. For whatever reason, I can't um, speak for that person. But I would do, we would do, I told you high school professional and and collegiate athletes, but we'd also have adult boot camp. So I would like throw CrossFit things into the boot camp and I would, the guy on the gym would stand like this. 
and I just tried to like not make it look so obvious that it was CrossFit, but it was. So that was, I started to do it, but I, honestly, I didn't really know what I was doing, mm -hmm. if I'm being honest. But Dave, um, who by the way, Dave Lipson, he's, you know, a little shout out for Dave, Thunderbro, he's crazy, but one of the most genuinely kind, warm-hearted, intelligent trainers I've ever met. Every, everything I've done in CrossFit, at least for the last 10 years, he's had a hand in me um, trying it. So Dave was like, hey, try this CrossFit thing. And Dave was like, you know what? You should really intern for seminar staff. And I'm like, like what seminar staff? What is that? I wasn't coaching CrossFit classes. I wasn't in an affiliate. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, you should. You'd be a great demo girl. <laughs> so, Thanks, Dave. You think I'd be a good trainer? He's like, no, you'd be really great. So I started to explore that. And I would go to, because I was in New, living in New York City at the time, so I would I would go down to CrossFit Virtuosity and Keith Wittenstein would help me. I would go into to Connecticut, Rob Orlando would help. And I just tried to surround myself with as much CrossFit as I could to prepare me for this internship. Um, and the people that she's referencing with uh, Keith Wittenstein uh, was a coach, longtime coach, OG in the CrossFit community down in, in the New York area. And then Rob Orlando, again, OG coach, but actually a person who was drawn from the strongman um, from the strongman side of things into CrossFit, kind of with the 2008 CrossFit Games, right? It was kind of like, hey, he's a strongman, but let's bring you in here to see what you can do in this realm of, you know, measurable, observable, repeatable fitness. And so Rob kind of actually still runs like kind of the strongman stuff with CrossFit, but owns a gym down in Connecticut. Yeah, Rob's fantastic. He was really a pioneer in in the early stages of CrossFit and still is now. Um, so I would just try and get touch points with all these people to prepare me for this like interview, for lack of a better term. And when I, when I showed up for my first internship, um, well, actually, I'll take it back to the level one. The level one was the first time I was, I felt like I'd really been like coached, truly. And I have a whole story and experience I could share, but I'll, I'll just expedite. It was like, wow, this is coaching. Like I'm in this circle with these nine other people and every time they call a rep I feel like I'm gonna get called on even when they're not looking at me and I'm like I thought I knew how to coach a squat I've learned things in this last 30 minutes that I didn't even know existed in the squat and maybe that was me my education leading up to it I don't know but at that point I was like wow and honestly Connor it wasn't like you go to the, the CrossFit level one seminar which is your introductory to CrossFit and we have these amazing lectures and we have all these things. But for me, it was it was this, wow, these people that are wearing these shirts, these red shirts, they are amazing. They're cool. Like, I just wanted to be friends with them. And, oh, and by the way, they made me work harder than I've ever worked before with a basic bodyweight air squat. So then I, then I, when I showed up for my internship and I saw, like, behind the scenes, I was like, wow, I am ill-prepared for this. But you have a series of internships when you do the the candidate process for the seminar staff, and I, it was brutal. Like that, it was brutal. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but one of the best things I ever could have done for my professional career. And Denise is referencing, and we've referenced it before on here, the CrossFit Level One and Level Two se seminar training team. Those are the people who are administering the courses. Denise has worked her way up to a flow master or course administrator for these courses, and. I will I will agree with you in saying that it is I tried more to get on that team 
than I, than I had to, or it was more difficult. I had to have more practice, more studying, and is a higher attrition rate than anything else I've done in my career, which is, which is saying something in that, in that, in that a low level area. But you, you go to the course and you see the trainers. I felt the same way. I was like, wow, these people are awesome. I want to be around them. I want to hang out with them. I want to train with them. I asked on my, after, you know, I thought I was a perfect mover and just got picked apart, had to work so hard. And then I had, you know, I had the audacity to ask one of the trainers like, Hey, how do I get into that red shirt position? I love CrossFit. And instead of telling me the answer that he should have being like, Hey, why don't you try to, why don't you try to fix your overhead squat there, playa? Uh, it was like, so they're like, we had, we had similar feelings, be involved with the community, be a part volunteer, continue to do CrossFit, preach it, tell it to your friends, do it the right way, do what we're telling you here at this seminar. And when the time comes that, you know, you have the proper qualifications, you know, throw in a, a resume. And then when I got the internship process and you see more, or actually started working with you in Austin and MDV and, and Joe Maisley and everyone else on the seminar training team, I was like, oh, that's why they're so awesome. Because not just from each person on there, but from every administrator and every person in charge of them demand excellence. Excellence is the minimum standard that you are capable of. If you perform under excellence, you will no longer be a part of the team. It is not something where it's like, hey, hey, you did a really good job. You hit your timelines. You said all the content, all of this was in it. Like, nice work. It is. That's what is expected from you. And when you have misses, it's not, hey, you're an idiot. It is, hey, here's where you messed up. Here's how you can get better. Get better next time. How you can take and understand feedback. The whole process, it is, it is intense. And that's how trainers like Denise are made. I mean, there's like each person has their own, you know, fire and, and how bright that's going to shine. But the process in itself and the trainers are what inspired me similarly. Yeah. And you're 100% on the nose with the excellence piece for sure. And I, um, I think we, we do hold ourselves to a very high standard and it can come, I, I can only imagine that, I mean, I'm in it, so it's hard for me to, to know, but I can only imagine that there's some kind of elitism associated with the red shirt. We say red shirt because we wear shirts that are red. So that's a seminar staff instructor. But um, it's, uh, it's not that. It's just that we demand a level that is almost unfathomable because we don't know if we'll ever get there, but we never stop trying. This, and that's on the technical side. So what you're speaking to so far is your ability to teach well and teach and teaching means taking the information you know and breaking it down so that it makes sense to the people in front of you and if you think about the spectrum of athlete you get in a class and we say athlete that means anyone that joins a crossfit gym you've got your beginner to your advanced okay and you as she a pointed at me when she said advanced no just to let everyone know uh, it's more like <laughs> it's more like <laughs> <laughs> I can do, <coughs> if it's hip extensions, it's yeah, there you go. I'm very elite, I'm elite. But um, the best trainers, and when I say the best, I mean the most effective are the ones that can speak to the whole spectrum of athlete that comes in the class. So that's teaching, that's just one aspect of the technical side of, of what we expect and the seeing and correcting, there's group management and there's your demonstration, which by the way, you have, if you said you had to work hard for your squat, then God help me because... Your squat's not that. It's well, that's not that bad. Because I was 
in that. But before that position, oh, I remember my overhead squat. They're like, you got to squat below parallel. I'm like, oh, I'm below parallel. And they're like, nah, man. Yeah, I remember when you yelled at me. You, I think you. I've yelled at you a few times. A few times. Get lower. Hey, I'm lower. Anyway, I digress. No, we'll go, we'll go into that <laughs> we'll at go some in. point in time. We've Hi, got a lot of stories. We have a dysfunctional loving relationship. But um, you speak very like highly of this technical side. And that is such a big piece. But I don't know. I this The whole t- intangibles and the like just be a good damn human is really hard to do are really hard to find as well as chasing this excellence, this technical aspect. And I think um, even though it, at times you might feel that there may be this perception of elitism in any, like the sport or the training side, if you real peel back the onions, it goes back for me to that level one. These people were just so nice. There's people right now that mentored me from day one and they're the, they're the same person today. And they have all the accolades and all the qualifications and all the experience to be a giant hole if they wanted to be. You can swear um, if you want. Ty swore on here one time. Well, Ty's four. I was like, do you know any swear words? <laughs> she's like, I know the bad one. We we're like, oh, she's like, holy shit. <laughs> That's two. It's two words. But the point is, is I think there's, there's a whole presence and attitude piece to, to be in any trainer, not just a CrossFit trainer, but any trainer that is massively um, understated. And I think the more you know, the harder it is to be humble, yet some of the best trainers I've worked with are the most humble people in the world, but they set their standards incredibly high. So their kindness is not weakness at all, you know. It's, It's so interesting that you say that because I remember when I first came into CrossFit, and you had talked about teaching from distilling a wide body of knowledge into small, understandable pieces that can speak to a demographic of people. And I remember seeing a trainer that had a lot of technical jargon. And I'm like, this, this guy is smart. I'm like, what a great trainer. But if you were to ask me, I'd be like, okay, well, what do you improve? I'd be like, I don't know, but um, everything is externally rotated on me right now. And engaged. Yeah, and we're engaged. And my, my supraspinatus uh, wasn't properly activated. So, and it's like, like, why don't you point to that on your body? And what's funny is that now when you take the step back and now that I've had the opportunity to work with trainers like Denise and with these people who have the degrees, who have all of like the, the knowledge and education on it, and they're telling people really, really simple things that's making really, really big changes in their movement, that didn't, that you could skip all the technical jargon, and it's, and if from the outside in you're like, oh, they just you know they're just saying this stuff. They say two word cues, and then people do stuff, but they didn't say anything technical. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they have that ability. That's in there. Go ask them after a class. Go go tell them to break. Go ask Dennis Marshall to you know break something down for you. Dennis Marshall being another one of the seminar staff trainers. Him and his wife uh, Hunter Jen Marshall own a uh, CrossFit affiliate out in Long Island. Uh, they just recently moved, right? Yeah. So it's, is it still called Garden City? Mm-hmm. But is it in Garden City? Yes. Okay. Either way, fantastic affiliate, both fantastic trainers, but just unbelievable knowledge. But you wouldn't know it right away because that's not his job is to explain to you how smart he is. His job is to improve your movement and improve it to a wide demographic of people. So, But I remember being so impressed with that type of stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, really good. Like, what does that mean? I don't know. Did anyone do anything better when they said that? No, but it sounded smart. Yeah, it's like smoke and mirrors. It's it, what the goal, I think the goal of a mentor or a coach or a trainer, whatever you want to call it, is to provide the tools to somebody so they can take those tools and they don't need you anymore. And this is not in line with business models, right? What do a lot of business models are, yeah, let's keep making them think they need us. Mm-hmm. Let's hold back. Let's use words that that blow their mind. And that's why I'll probably never be that super rich because I'm not interested in that, to be quite honest. It's I want I don't want you to rely on us forever. I want you to keep going to class because it's awesome and you're not ever gonna get pushed as much as you are with the group effect, but um, I think um, the technical world, and, and it speaks to nutrition too, it's you just tell them what to do and keep it simple. And CrossFit is that program. It's so freaking simple. And it's not easy to do, especially not with 15 people. And the success, at least in, in, in my eyes, is that you keep those people coming back three, four times a week for the rest of their lives. That's success. They're pain-free. They're able to, to like move their own body, play with the kids, grandkids. Their, their medical bills are incredibly low. It's just general routines. They know how to eat, but they also like to have a good time. You know, let's go eat some, um, you know, heroes over there on the road and have a little mimosa once in a while, you know, something like Depending that. Depending on what's in the mimosa, we don't know. We don't we're know. We're talking mimosas, but okay? The, but we're, we're a generalist program, and I really feel... Like the bigger the bigger CrossFit gets, the harder it is to keep it what it what it how it's powerful. Like minimum dose effect. We don't need to go outside of that, and that speaks to your the technical jargon pieces. Yes, you should know this stuff, but you don't need to be saying this in your classes unless somebody asks. Mm-hmm. Now we kind of referenced them, and, and I've talked about kind of your journey there, and I feel like now people are like, okay, like. We're really smart. Like, like, you know, CrossFit trainers are good. Some of our staff trainers are awesome. It's hard to get on. Um, you know, having said that, Denise has worked. Denise has worked with one-on-one more people that have made the journey to get on seminar staff than any other human being in the world, which I think is a testament to how much she cares and her ability to give the information that someone needs to accomplish a goal. Now, granted, that's not taking away from what she's done with just coaching people and improving people's squat and improving people's health, people who don't want to be CrossFit level one, level two seminar staff members. But we're talking about taking that next level from being elite coaches to then making that next jump. Denise has worked with them. But what I wanted to talk about is your background and advice that you could give someone who may feel like they are, they're, they're, they're swimming upstream. Um, being whether you are an immigrant of this country or bring that you are a woman or anything else that your background brings that is, you know, less than being like, you know, a white male. What is, what are the hardships and how did you move past that? Because I've always, always admired that about you because I've never seen it be said as an excuse or used as an excuse. And I'm sure you've definitely experienced things, but I just think it's, it's so cool to see a trainer that is at that level where you don't have to have a caveat as, oh, she's one of the best female trainers on this, or, oh, she's, you know, she's the best at this or that. It's just like, no, it's just, it's just outright outworked and 
and I'm sure there's a lot more that goes along with that. There, wow, there's a lot in there. Um, and I am an immigrant of the, of the United States. However, we know. Oh, say can you see? I am an American. Short side story. Um, one of the biggest celebrations that I've ever seen or accomplishments and celebration afterwards, the happiest that I've seen Denise aside from when she was married, which I actually got invited to and then it got retracted. <laughs> that's another um, podcast. That's another, that's another <laughs> time. But um, is the day that she became an official citizen of this country. She got her citizenship at one of the highest levels because of what she does in training, which is just amazing. And then she dressed up as a Statue of Liberty and we went to Scorpion Bar, and then I was like, let's go to Big Night Live. And she's like, yeah. And then her and Ash were like, we're going home. And then the rest of us went to Big Night Live. See you there. Neither here nor there. But she literally wore the full costume of the Statue of Liberty. I when did. She became a citizen. Very so. proud. Very proud. But I did come here um, as a Brit, and I was here for 20 years as, as a Brit. And anybody that is not... A citizen of the United States will know how challenging it is to become a citizen or even get a green car or even get a visa. And man, when you actually ask me that question, it, like it gets a little emotional because it was a really hard journey. Like I, I worked my ass off and there were times where I didn't know if I was going to get let go from a job, not because I wasn't doing my job. I was actually doing it really well, but maybe I just didn't get along with the owner and at any moment in time, I mean, imagine a situation where you go to work and if you get fired, you have to leave the country. Um, not terrifying at all. Right? But it was, and that's when we go back to actually the getting on, doing the seminar stuff thing, it was, that was, that was like a beacon of light for me too. It was like, I got to go for this. And I went through all kinds of visas from, the first one was an F1. I think it was a student visa. I went H1B, which is a specialized visa for professional athletes. And then I got the O1, which was extraordinary ability, which was bonkers. It's normally, like you, you get if you're a doctor or a or surgeon a, or a movie star or a, you know some kind of high profile person. And it was funny though because I would go to immigration as H1B, and they'd be like, "Why are you here? What is your business? How long are you here for? Who sent you?" And I'd be like sweating like that was four questions what was the first one are you bringing in any goods and i'd have like a bag of chips in my bag and i'd be like no you know like <laughs> it was so terrifying and then they i got this oh one and i would show up to the immigration booth and be like hello miss thomas how welcome back like just the difference it was like being in first class on a plane and being in the slums you know it was um and then after that i eventually i got married actually and that's eventually how i got my green card and um eventually citizenship but that journey was tough but I knew I wanted to be here and I knew it met I knew it, what I wanted to do had to be here because at that time we, it, what CrossFit wasn't that big in the in the UK and um not that I wouldn't have ever gone back and gone for it I would have put my whole life into it but I was already here and I'd, I was already doing it so when you say that celebration of me wearing the Statue of Liberty outfit it that was the combination culmination of the most amount of blood, sweat, and tears. And if having not have worked so hard in my profession, in my career, I wouldn't have got it. Like, you know, if you're just mediocre at what you do, nobody gives you an, a, an O-1 visa, you know? Um, and then 
when I got, when I started getting into CrossFit, I didn't really know what I was doing. And you have to just fake it till you make it. And you have to be okay with where you are in that moment. So man, woman, you know, whatever it is, you just have to know that you've got to be undeniably great and you'll, you'll deserve the right to be in any room and speak. But if you're not on that pursuit of being undeniably be great and wanting to inspire people and truly believe in what you say, which is another thing, like don't say shit you don't believe in just to get the quote or get the likes. Like you better believe it. And that might come with people not liking you or having things to say, but are you in it to make friends or are you in it to make an impact? If you get both, great, but sometimes you cannot. So when I did this thing, I never thought about it as a woman. I, I just thought I need to be as good as these people that I look up to so that they cannot ever say you're a woman or you're, you're white or you're whatever. It's just like, wow, when, when she talks, like I want to hear what she has to say. That's not easy and there's no quick, no quick fix. And I think the minute you try to have a quick fix, coach class too soon, uh, open a gym too soon, things like that, then you're already on a back foot and it gets really hard and then you're just reacting to things. You're not really, you're not paving the way, you're just reacting to things that are coming your way and you lose sight of everything. It's something I've always admired. And, you know, it's, it, again, it sounds so weird to be like, it's something that's always ad admired as you as a woman, like, because that's, that's never been the case. I was, you were the standard for me coaching at Reebok, getting on seminar staff for level one, level two, and really in every aspect of training. And, but I, I knew other female train, and this is almost a contrast is what made me respect it so much from you. Uh, you know, I mean, if we're, if I, I always like say it, like I love her, but like Megan Burns, another seminar staff trainer, incredible trainer yep. in her earlier years on seminar staff, I think she had a she had a block in her own head because it was like, I'm not as fit as everyone else. Now, granted, we didn't do her a lot of favors in that being like, cause it was, it'd be like Austin, Spencer, James, myself, and Meg in a workout. And they're like, all right, it's ring muscle ups and 225 squat snatches for the, you know, everyone training for the CrossFit games. And she'd have to scale, which again, there's differences in, in how to do it. But the whole time it was like, oh, people are going to listen to these guys because they saw all of this stuff. But I, there wasn't a lot, you know, with you and Meg, I mean, it wasn't that like one of you was obnoxiously fitter than the other one. But in that scaling, it wasn't like, a, oh no, I have to scale this and I'm not gonna be as good. It was like, I have to scale this because these people are fitter than me, but it doesn't mean that they're different coaches. And so when, when situations would present themselves, like there'd be a participant who really wanted to do a heavier weight during the workout, but they shouldn't have. <laughs> and, you know, Meg would come up to me and be like, hey, this person has 95 on their bar, but they should have 75. You should tell them because I feel like he's going to give me crap. And it was just like, okay, I don't know what it's like being a woman who's had to scale workouts. But I've seen Denise as a woman who's had to scale workouts. And that person, she could just look at that person and they'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm going with the lighter weight or I'm doing that because there is this like confidence or maybe it's that pursuit of excellence and belief of what you're doing and what you're saying. But I'm sure there was probably a learning curve for you as well. It's like, but you've always had that like demanding and maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's like, hey, I know what's best for you or 
you're paying a lot of money for me to know what's best for you. So why don't you listen to me during this? Like, was there a learning curve of that? Or what was, or was it just like, hey, this is who I see as my mentors and I want to be that? Huge learning curve. And I don't even know if um, I knew it at the time. It, like looking back now, oh, that was a learning curve. But I, I, now I'm older, I can look back and I'm like, I know exactly what it was. And it was being in the right environment as I was learning. So I was in an environment with, um, even before you came to Reebok in 2013, mm -hmm. um, Dave Lipson, who was the head coach, empowered me and backed me up and prepared me. And then Austin Maliolo came. Actually, Austin and I came in at the same time. We were, we were like lateral and then Dave left and Austin took over. And then Austin was a pain in the ass to start with. And, and it's, we all, we know, Austin, you were a pain in the ass to start with. But as we, as we um, progressed and we, we matured and we developed, I realized that that was the best thing that could have happened to me. One time he hijacked a class I was teaching, a snatch class. I was on the box of the PVC pipe. I got off the box to go correct some people and he jumped on the box and took over. He took over. Just took, you took over. And I was like in the back of the classroom like, um, who am I, you know? And it was such a a-hole move at that time. But also at that time, it was like a really pivotal step in my journey. I was like, no one's ever gonna do that to me again. And ironically, as we progressed, Austin became one of the best mentors I've ever had. He would challenge me, he pushed me, he would expect things of me that I didn't know. He would like get on my nerves. He, it was like, it was fantastic. And I say this because Without his backing at that time and us pushing each other, I wouldn't have opened up my mind to other ways of doing things and looking at things and developing knowledge and experience, even workouts. Being like, you guys would bully workouters all the time. Like, I got bullied too. You, so I, yes, I was a bully, yeah, but I wasn't the bulliest. But you being bullied could still handle it. I would get crippled to the point where I broke my neck on the worm. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, do you remember I broke my neck too? Yeah. We both had broken necks. Austin's like, you're in. Ali can't make it. What are you doing? Worm thrusters and chest. Anyway, but it was, it was all this. The environment was so powerful. And I was developing confidence being in that environment and standing up for myself and, and having com like con the conflict was good. It was like a healthy conflict because I'm like, I'm going to go and learn and I'm going to come back and I'm going to be better. And um, and I, when I think back now, and I think about that, that environment was everything. And then you came in, and like Spencer was there, and all these all these people that knew more about things than I did. I knew more in other ways, and you knew more in other ways. And we were we were just such a team, and we we pushed each other. And maybe I'm going around in circles, but you can't do that by yourself. And if you're just always in a safe space and you're the smartest person in the room, and I'm not the first person to say this, that's like you will never grow, ever. Or at so, least at near the rate you uh, will when. Yeah, yeah, that's not an absolute. But it was, it was the environment, and that's how I developed confidence, and it wasn't a, that wasn't planned. I just felt I was very lucky to be in that situation. Lucky, right, what is luck? It's when hard work meets opportunity. I took the opportunity. I left a six-figure paid job in New York City, to take a third of what I was gonna get paid in Boston for Reebok CrossFit One. And I was like, I'm doing it. I was done. I wasn't fulfilled, I wasn't learning, I wasn't growing. 
And I went there and got, it was the best thing I ever did. But it was the environment, honestly. And then finding those environments now is what continues to help me develop confidence. I, I don't want to get off this topic because I, I think it's amazing. I just want to, I mean, it's kind of like an epiphany, you saying that, because I was pissed off a lot at work. I would coach what I thought would have been one of the better classes I was very well prepared for. And I would get feedback <laughs> immediately afterwards about what I did wrong, about how it could be done better. Some of it stylistic, some of it actually like objective. And it was like, you'd be upset and you'd be upset challenging when, when you're trying to program workouts, when you're moving and, and you're, you know, you need to do this better and all of this stuff. It was like, Yes, we all loved it and we were happy. And this is like, this is like a small part of it. But yeah, I mean, it was like, I'm going to be so well prepared that this person isn't going to have anything to say to me during this. And we got on each other a lot. There were, there were, there was, we demanded excellence from each other. But in the same sense, Austin was so perfect for that role because he would give feedback and then it would be, you would be hard pressed to catch him slipping on it. And when you did and you'd give him feedback, it would be, you know, it was like, it was like a tough thing. But, you know, if he's like, hey, here's your like timeline on this, you went over, but he comes back and he hits his, you know, he hits his timeline exactly. And you're like, oh, I was hoping he was going to do that. So yeah, it was, it was, it was an incredible atmosphere. And I never thought of it like that because we, we became so close in our last year together, a lot less fighting, a lot more fun. Um, but I think in that process, however, learning that from your side of it. So it really wasn't like a, Hey, I've, I've got to do this well as a female, or I've got to do this well as, as X, Y, Z. It's not that you weren't capable of it, 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 capable of, of doing the same things of fitness levels and that stuff. But, um, when you're considered a, a female empowerment trainer, I, you know, it's, it's a cool thing. I don't I consider you the most empowering trainer. There's not a single person I know that can't learn something from you, regardless of any of the other factors that don't matter. But what is that? How does that title sit with you? I don't know if I've, I've ever, I truly don't see it as that. And sometimes to, to be quite honest, I feel like I'm not doing enough in the, the female empowerment movement because it, it, the, we do need empowering females. And, um, but I think just doing, doing what you're doing and doing it the best you can, that the whole like the female thing speaks for itself. And I would love for a, a world where we, it wasn't that. Sadly, it, it is. Um, but it's interesting because a lot of the comments that I get sent to me about people I've worked with, there are just as many, if not more, male um, trainers saying thank you. Then there are female. There's not a, a huge like female male split. It's pretty even, and if anything, it's more male. Um, the title. I actually have a hard time answering this question, and I do get asked it by some females. Like, thank you for being empowering, and as a female, I, and usually it is. How do you get people to listen to you in class? Um, they listen to the guys, but they don't listen to the girls. And I'm like, there's a fundamental cultural issue with that establishment if that's the case like that's that's what I say is that that behavior has been allowed because that was never allowed 
outside the, the one time that Austin hijacked my class and he got his wrist slapped by Dave, like that that environment did not exist at Reebok. Like it, we, all the, the all the members knew that the coaches were to be respected and listened to. Um, they could push back respectably, but mm-hmm. it was never. It was I, I've never had to go through the as a female struggle. Um, so it's really hard for me to answer it because I don't have a distinct moment in time where I ever felt that I was struggling as a female. I just truly felt I was struggling as a trainer. That's what it just hit me when you said that because there were times when I got my class hijacked. and I, and I, I Was it by me? <laughs> there's probably been times if I was been teaching something or I needed to move on. I was spending too much time on a movement. And it's like you get someone who's like, move on to the next movement. And you're like, and then you're just like, as a trainer, your confidence, you're just like, oh, I'm not doing the right thing. And now people know that someone else in this room knows more than me. But it wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, it's because I'm a man and Denise wants to be a, a woman proud of this. It was just like, no, do your job as a trainer. And I guess that's why, but again, and it's, and it's a biased piece for my part as like a white male being in a, in a role that I didn't really have to think about that. But I guess, yeah, being in a position where I don't ever, th- and I don't, I would be hard pressed to say, hey, there's a gym where they listen to male trainers, but they don't listen to female trainers. Because I'm willing to bet if you went in there to coach a class, people would be like, Whoop, yep, we're focused right now. Yeah. So maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe instead of, maybe instead of it being a blame thing, and it could be, maybe instead of it being like, oh, they don't listen to the women, it's like, maybe they listen to the people who are confident. And those people happen to be the male trainers currently yeah and um i was gonna say something um i think that you talked about confidence and them listening it's gone it went yeah i was talking about how for me i only got my classes high because i wasn't doing my i don't want to i also don't want to brush over the the elephants in the room of like white male and white female and black male and black female and you know uh non-binary genders because it is real and it does exist and i think all we need to do is be aware of it and understand it and i do there when you and i stand next to each other and we're addressing a room full of athletes let's just say it's the nfl right it's the eagles the eagles and you and i stand in front of them and they're like, all right, here's your head strength and conditioning coach for the season, for season 20, 2024. They're going to look at you. Right? That's just the way it is. Like, it's just how it's been. And that, that right there, I have a choice. Like, let's say it was me. I was the head coach. You were my assistant. But they look at you, right? They think, this guy, look how fit, look how big he is, strong he is, good looking. Not that 14-year-old girl next to him, right? <laughs> me. But maybe I'm the coach. Um, I have a choice. Like we always have a choice. And I think that we like to see ourselves as victims. And it's not that we don't all start at different points of privilege. We do, and that exists. But we still have a freaking choice. And me as a white female or female, I decide at that point, how am I going to command that room and get that respect? Because I could immediately be like, oh my gosh, they looked at Connor. They think he's the head coach. Oh no. Like, it's me. Are they going to respect me? They don't. These are all the things that you could think. But if you prepare, if you kind of expect a little bit of that and you go into it and you, have a, you prepare, 
the first thing that comes out of my mouth will dictate immediately how they respond to me. And I'll tell you what they won't respond to. No, guys, it's actually me. I'm the head cop. Like, all right, everybody, listen up. Eyes on here. Listen up. Blah, 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 blah. And immediately they're like, oh. And they might still be like, oh, what's this, what's this chick's deal? But you have a choice in how you want to address the room and whether you're going to act as the victim or you're going to be a competitor and truly get involved in it. And I, and I think for me, like, that, that was definitely in the back of my mind. Like, when I stand up there, what am I going to say that's going to let them know that I'm in charge? I love you. I want the best for you. But I'm, I'm riding the ship here. Yeah. Get in. Let's go. So I, I, I don't want to completely discount the fact that that does exist. It does. But you get to own your space for sure. I think that's probably the most profound thing I've heard in a long time. Are you going to cry? No. But because I can't say that, I can't think, oh, I, you know, because of the position that I'm in. Because, you know, there's definitely been times where I've seen, I'm like, I am the only person in here who has a high school diploma as, it's, as their highest, like, bit of this or even in a conversation. But you're right. There's times where it's like you can either own it and move forward. And I'm sure that other people's experiencing, other people's experiences are a lot different than mine. But it comes down to the same thing. You have a choice. Do you want to or do you want to be like, I noticed how you all looked over at Connor as the head coach. Well, I'm actually these qualifying people are like, whatever or if it's just like boom here's what we're doing here's this and people oh shit all right here we go don't even give them chance yep moving on but that's it's i think that's cool because it's like it's all coming back thinking about our you know when you're like hey we're two people standing in front of uh, a crowd together <laughs> do you remember in 2014 oh this really happened yeah where we were up on like a four-story <laughs> scaffolding <laughs> and i was wearing a shirt the sample size shirt that was two sizes too small. And we were up there and it was funny because, you know, I was, it was competing at the time. I like, I actually went to regionals like the week after that, but we're sitting up there and Denise is of course like well rehearsing her stuff. And we're standing on this like same little level, like having this microphone. And I remember Denise like free hand and like gives her side of the speech. We have like notes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just this like big goon up there. And I was just like, Connor, start reading. And I like read everything from the teleprompter. And everyone was just kind of like, oh, okay. Like that's an interesting thing. But it was like, that was like the preparation side of it. But that was, and then we danced a lot. That, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, it's, I don't know, just make a choice. And maybe it's not for you. Like maybe it's not. Maybe you're not cut out for it. But I tell you, you have a choice. And the steps you take to get to where you want to be, they're not going to be easy. It's all the stuff. Like, you're on Instagram. Like, you know, Google growth mindset and all the things. I'll tell you all the things. Like, I listen to them all the time, every day. I wake up also feeling like a victim. But you've got to make a choice. And at what point are you willing to, to, to break through that next barrier of, like, uncomfortableness? Because you, you won't always have the answers, and that doesn't mean you're still not the right person for the job. And humility is huge, but you got you, you have a choice. You do. Choices aren't easy, but you do have a choice. Succeed anyways, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, cool. it's hard because there's definitely people out there that, especially with me speaking, that are like, you haven't experienced anything of what I've experienced. And I'm like, I know. But how cool would it be if you won anyways? How inspiring would it be if you did it anyways? Even if all this other stuff. And then you tell your story, not of pity, but of success. I think that's, I think that's really inspiring. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and CrossFit, to bring it, I guess, full circle, we talked a little bit about the, the measurements and the accountability and just CrossFit does that. I'm a CrossFit trainer. I love fitness. And I think there's, there's room for all kinds of disciplines of fitness. I think if, you know, if Glassman would say off, off the couch and off the carbs. Off the carbs. Not, yeah. not all the carbs. And not all the but couches. Not all the couches, <laughs> especially with a good Netflix. But, you know, you're off the, off the carbs and off the couch, like a, a high percentage of your time. Um, you're doing something great, but I love CrossFit. And I'll die on the CrossFit hill and die on the fact how beautiful our methodology is. But if we're doing CrossFit and we're not holding ourselves accountable, there's an argument out there, are you really doing CrossFit? And I would say you are, but you're not going to get the results you get from when you go up to your trainer at the end of the class and you give them that, that score and you say, blah, 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 scaled. And you say it with pride. And then you go and log it down. And then you come back the next day and you keep doing that. Because there's something to that, that it's a very, very special thing that we need to really embrace and protect um, because there's a world out there that's mean and it owes you nothing and it will hold you accountable. And, and if you're not ready for what it's going to throw at you, um, you'll become a victim again and you'll make these excuses. So go to a CrossFit class, show up, be scared, be vulnerable, be nervous, get your scores on the board, know where you're at, measure your progress, and then go out and have a, have a mimosa and a beer or a soda, like have fun. But if you want results, you have, you have to have some kind of baseline. Okay? Or you'll always be a victim. What separates CrossFit? What's the most thing that separates CrossFit from other fitness disciplines? Uh, well, most, uh, most disciplines is a, is a, it's like a grenade thing. I mean, I, I can't speak. I could be missing some and some might be doing this, but okay. I think that the, the thing that I love about CrossFit that I didn't get in other disciplines. And when I say others, I'm talking about kind of like your spin classes or your circuit trainings and things was that when I showed up, when I show up for a CrossFit class, I have a coach. Like, I actually have a coach. Like, when I played soccer, I had a coach that was responsible for taking care of that team during practice times, during games. They had a plan. They had a strategy. They had, um, like, a timeline. They had a schedule. And that's what, when you show up to a CrossFit class, what we're saying to you is that you get almost one-on-one -on -one attention if you get a good trainer in a room full of people for 60 minutes day to day who will hold you accountable, will check in with you, the intangibles, presence and attitude, like how's your life, how are, things, are you happy? But they'll also hold you accountable and coach you in the class. If you have something that is out of your reach, they'll ask you to modify it. If you're not moving quick enough and they know that you're, um, you're being lazy, they'll push you. If you're not moving quick enough, but they know that you just had a newborn baby and you got one hour of sleep, they're gonna be like, just keep doing you. Like they can, they're like a chameleon, they can change to, whatever they have in front of them um, day to day to day. 
a coach, a coach does that. Start at the whiteboard, set the expectation, do the thing in the middle, make sure people get the right dose for them, and then come together at the end of the class and, and like high five the tribe and be like, you guys crushed it today. Good teamwork, everybody. See you tomorrow. Like, I never got that when I did those, when I was in New York Sports Club and I went and did a circuit training class. Like, I don't even know if the, the instructor, right? It's not a coach, he's an instructor, like knew my name. So you have to decide, do you want a coach or do you want an instructor? Do you want that attention or do you not? Because that ultimately decides whether CrossFit's for you. Mm-hmm. It's not about your ability, your size, your shape, your economic status and any of those things, they'll make that work. But do you want a coach? So again, I don't know if that exists in some other fitness disciplines that I'm not aware of, but for me, my experience in other versus CrossFit, that's it. Yeah, and I've seen, I mean, I would say that that's kind of like a good blanket that covers most of them. But, you know, there are classes, like we've talked about, like with Marguerite, she does, a, uh, a, there's a gym, Maestrad, and they have like treadmills and dumbbells. And then she also teaches at Revd, which is indoor cycling. And I've been to her classes before. And now granted, I think she's learned a lot from the CrossFit side of things and from us and from all of that. But I think even beforehand, she was the one who, even though there's not, you know, on a spin bike, like it's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but it's like go forward or backwards, you know, but there, there's definitely some technique stuff, but it's mm-hmm. more of, a, of an, in, someone who inspires and she knows the names of everyone who's coming in there. She's checking in with people. She's saying inspiring things and that stuff, but what would separate from like that or like a Barry's boot camp where they're, you know, it's like, all right, grab light dumbbells. It's going to be, you know, they're going to do deadlifts. They're going to do burpees. They're going to do chest press. They're going to, and then they're going to run on a treadmill. They're going to do all these different things. And, you know, maybe it's not as much teaching the movement, but they're like to keep people relatively safe. What would you see the biggest difference between that, between like a Barry's boot camp uh, or a spin or a MyStride class and what is objectively the cross, like like the definition of CrossFit? What would the difference that be? Well, the, the definition of CrossFit is constantly varied functional movement, high intensity. So you could argue that other disciplines are doing that right they're changing up the movement they're doing high intensity stuff and um they're they're functional but crossfit defined fitness and it's it's kind of out there now but when glassman defined fitness he revolutionized the fitness industry and he took he took um like average exercises like me and you when you're a little bit you're a little bit above average but like me and you and they made us athletes and they brought this level of uh, measurability to it that was only really being used um, in sports. Like, like as an athlete, you would measure all these kind of vitals and performance benchmarks. So when CrossFit defined fitness as work capacity across broad time or modal, modal domains, which is how much power output can you produce across an unlimited set of physical tasks, meaning over all kinds of time. So we're not just doing... 30 second intervals or one minute intervals, but we're we're going very, very short to, to very, very long, everything in between uh, for overall times, but also the time of each movement and the complexity of these movements. Um, I mean, the, before CrossFit, general exercises were not doing snatches and cleans and muscle ups. And now you walk into any CrossFit gym in, across the world, you could get a, a spectrum of athlete from your grandma to your Olympic athlete to your kid doing some version of a muscle up. 
So there's two. One is the fact that we ask you to log your scores. Um, and it doesn't even have to be every workout, but when we measure progress and we hit benchmarks, that's where we're testing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big fan of measuring all workouts, but if you're not, at least your benchmarks. I was never asked to do that before at CrossFit. And the other piece is, if you look at the traditional fitness space, you've got what we've got 10 general physical skills in CrossFit. Mm -hmm. The first four are stamina, cardiorespiratory endurance, strength, and flexibility. Okay. Where have we seen these four in the past? Well, cardiorespiratory endurance you see in marathon or to triathlon, right? Runners, or every now and again, you'll take someone who rows, which is very different. Strength you see from a powerlifting or a strongman competition, which is very, very short duration. Um, flexibility you see in, again, athletes, a gymnast, a yogi, a, yogi, a, a figure skating. Um, yeah, and then... Just general stretching and whatnot. And yeah. so we've, we've been doing these four things very well for a very long time. We know they work to get a certain result. Power and speed is something that we see we would see a little bit more of too. But these last four, coordination, accuracy, agility, and balance, it's very rare that you can go into, maybe more now, I'm talking, when we talk about cross, the emergence of CrossFit, where you go in there and you see people doing handstand holds and walks and even uh, things like pistols or rope climbs, like things that, these are skills that, we incorporate into the CrossFit methodology. Our, our program's all-encompassing. Mm. And it's not that we don't know that strength programs don't work or flexibility programs, we do. But our goal is to increase our overall capacity as an athlete, not to be a specialist in any one. And we, I'm sure people that are listening to this that are CrossFitters have heard this a million times, but if we take that away, we take the skill, the neurological piece of it, we're still doing CrossFit. We're still constantly varied, functional, high intensity, but, but we have missed capacity to be complete. And on a bigger scale, it's fun. It's really fun to be a kid again. Humbling and too. Humbling. And again, what are we trying to do? Adapt between the ears, make better people to go out in the world and be more positive. And, and that comes with all these 10 general physical skills. So that for me is a, is a big one is don't take that away. Like, do that, and if you're if you're struggling to learn how to teach it, or there's people in your class that are afraid, good. Who said that? Jocko. Jocko. Good. You should be afraid. They should be afraid because guess what's out there, out, out that, that door? I'll tell you, it's not rainbows and unicorns and butterflies that are just handing you things. There's so, a good rainbow yesterday. Yeah. Was that like the opera music in a you know when the person's speaking too long and then the. Oh, they, and I'd just like to thank Lola. <laughs> that was a good rainbow yesterday. No, but that, but for yeah. me, honestly, it's that it's the measurability the of it, the skills, and then having the coaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think the skills is so often overlooked because you can look at a lot of programs and you can be like, oh, draw a lot of parallels there, but you know you're not seeing things, and, and you'll see them in programs. You know, I've had when you reference it, like yoga, like yoga has that. Like, there's some. There's a lot of like balance components but there's not like a big strength component. And that's why I see when people that are, you know, do a lot of yoga, they're like, oh, I'm really working on this move. And you're like, oh, man, I could, 
I could do that one all day. However, I can't do a lot of the stuff that you, I can't do a lot of the specialty stuff you're doing, but how many people that are top tier yoga instructors can't do five strict pull-ups or one for that matter? You know, it's, it just takes me back to when I was playing soccer for Central Connecticut State University, Blue Devil Pride. Um, fitness, it's, and you're asking me why, what I like about CrossFit, mm -hmm. and I'm just telling you what I like about it. I, I want people to know that I am not discounting other fitness disciplines at all. However, I do believe that CrossFit is the best overall fitness program in the world, by our definition. I, I do believe that. Um, it's hard to argue. It really is hard to argue because you are getting everything. You get everything you need. But I was, at, I was in college and I was a really good runner. So I would run, I would win all the strength, endur speed endurance and endurance tests. I wasn't the fastest sprinter, but we didn't often just do sprints mm -hmm. in that way. So I was always like the best runner. I'd win the beat tests. People would always say, you're so fit. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm so fit. I'm so fit. You're right. I am fit, aren't I? I am fit. And I felt fit. Like, and I thought I'm fit. And then we go into the weight room. And I was, no lie, like the weakest uh, squatter by, by far. Um, and I would even probably say upper body. I was one of the weaker ones. But at not one point did anyone come up to me and say, you're not fit. Like, they didn't even consider that strength was fitness. It was a piece of fitness. Yeah, it was just like, who's the fittest person on your team? They'd say Denise. But yeah, there was somebody in there that could squat three times what I could squat, but they weren't the fittest. And when we talk, when we talk about fitness and we understand the definition, when we're going by our standards, um, our program will provide that. And that was mind blowing to me. It was like, wow, I left so much like fitness on the table in, in, in soccer that I could have been so much better had I have had this general physical prepared program in my repertoire. Um, it would have it would have changed the game for me completely. So I love CrossFit because we define fitness. We're very measurable. We're 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 grounded in science. It's, it's not this flimsy like oh we think no we know we've been pr proving it for years. Yeah. And every year at the CrossFit Games, we prove that we, we produce the fittest individuals on the planet. And every year we say, if you think that you're fit enough to contend against the top CrossFit athletes for the title of fittest human on the planet, then come. But do your training and take our test. Because that's what we're trying to prove, right? Is yeah. that your training would would do this and then we'll come and do your test and we'll just see where we fall but you're a specialist and so it's it's just a really real it, it was revolutionary i agree and i think it's i i mean i would go as far as saying it's possible to defend that crossfit isn't the most all-encompassing fitness program from our definition of fitness which should be adapt, adopted as the definition of fitness. And anyone who knows enough about CrossFit, regardless of the discipline, regardless if it's Mark Bell and powerlifting or if it's you know Mitch Hooper and uh, Strongman or Rob Orlando and Strongman or you know whoever in like all of it, like you look you look at it, you're like, yeah, understandable. And I think still the people who are like the naysayers in it uh, either don't understand it, but. Now the criticism is much different, right? It's not like, oh, the CrossFitters aren't the fittest people on earth. Now everyone's like, well, all those guys, uh, everyone there is on steroids. That's the only way they could be that fit. They're like, oh, no, they've been doing this 
methodology all the way through. But, um, you know, Frazier really helped that being able to like snatch more as a CrossFitter than when he was performing as a professional Olympic lifter. But that's neither here nor there. Now, I posted that you were going to be in here and I'm going to see if anyone responded and asked any questions. I said, any questions you got for DT? Oh, I will I'd say, like to know her thoughts on Nicolas Cage. That's got to be Kevin O'Connell. No, the next one is Kevin. This is not Kevin O'Connell? No, fast answers. I'd like to know your thoughts on Nicolas Cage. Uh, but, like, mind-blowingly amazing. <laughs> From Sydney Brook. On every level. <laughs> Why do you use a fake British accent? Because he gets me more places than an American one. That's Kevin O'Connell. Do you miss the 10 a.m. Thundercats, CrossFit Marshfield? We oh, you. my gosh. I love the 10 a.m. Thundercats. And quick story on that. Remember Tucked In Rob? Yeah. So we had a class one day, and we were like, all right, we're all going to tuck our shirts in. And, every, and everyone tucked their shirts in, like, up to the, you know, if you had a sports bra or your bra line, if not, maybe lip, nipple line, they'd pull them up. And the, the workout was... I think it started with a 400-meter run. Remember, we're like, three, two, one, got it. was just pulled up and they're running. So I tell this story to the 10 a.m. Thundercats. And I was, uh, I was like, all right, guys, because I think it was Thursday. I don't know. It, was, oh, it can't have been a Tuesday. Maybe not, whatever. Anyway, w- one of the members, I won't blow you up on national podcast community thing, but he pulled his shorts up so high. Um, and I took the picture. You know, like I like to take the pictures at the end. And I posted it, and I was so oblivious, I had no idea. And everyone was, like, giggling and laughing and, and commenting. And I guess, like, he pulled them up so high that there was a clear... Bulge, if you will. Bulge. Um, I want to say, though, he took that picture and put it on one of his dating apps. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be completely lying. But if they're still <laughs> on the thing, and I love you, and I'm sorry... But that was that was. Funny. I don't think he's sorry. I think he's happy about that. I think he got a lot of swipes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another question: favorite moment, favorite Reebok one moment. Um, favorite. Well, this I, there's so many, but one of my favorites. There actually a lot of them were with you. To be <laughs> to be fair, um, I've got one that was terrifying and one that was fun. And it, the fun one was with you when we made the Coliseum full of dolomer mats. Oh, yeah. So we, we had these huge gymnastic dolomer mats and we made them into a big circle. And the game was, like, there were some people in it and in the middle and then the other people on the outside. Split the team in half. So yeah. you split a group in half. So if you had 20 people, you split them 10 and 10. And the dolomer mat height is just, I want to say it's about six feet. Higher than me, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not taller than me, but higher than where my eyes are going to see. So you have a, you have a circle <laughs> 10 split, 10 in, 10 on the outside. And then what'd you have them do? And then we would play the music and it would go for a certain amount of time, maybe a song, I don't know. And the game was that when we stopped the music, however many balls or objects were outside or inside was the loser, right? So if if Connor's in the Coliseum and I'm out and there were like 20 objects outside and one inside, he wins. But the objects were really anything we could find, and we would just launch them in. Medicine balls. <laughs> Medicine, like all soft g- balls. Would it started with like soft, like dodgeballs. All kinds of stuff. Lacrosse balls, lacrosse sticks. 
Yep. And we had this huge stereo system. We were like really lucky at Reebok where we got stuff. And Connor plugged in this uh, app called the Ham Horn. So it'd go like... The Caribbean horn. And uh, I remember Austin, he was coming up and he was sh- he was showing some like important people around. And like Reebok executives being like, oh, and we have the most exquisite, you know, ham horn going, speakers blaring. We were very People just jump throwing balls into the center. If you want to get adults to act like children, reintroduce PE games. 100% of the time, they will. T- Even the people that you're like, they're like, this isn't going to be fun. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And they're going to get into it. Yeah, it, there were so many. Uh, the, the terrifying one was I like to play a, play a game called, like, I don't know what it, I don't know if I called it this, but it wasn't Pirate Rolls, but it was like, did I call it Peter Pan or something? Anyway, the game was is you run around the gym. The floor is lava. No, but I didn't call it the floor is lava. I think oh. it, I called it like pirates or something. I don't know. So we're, they're running around the gym, and when the music stops, you just have to get off the floor. So it is like the floor is lava, but this was before then. And so I'm like, we're playing the music. And then I'm like, boop, and I press pause. And it just so happened that probably we had a big class, like maybe 25 people. Like most of the class were at this one side of the room where the cargo net was. We had a cargo net hanging down, and like 15 people jumped on this cargo net. And I for sure thought people were going to die, and it was going to just collapse, and it didn't. And I was like, get off the net! Everyone off the net! <laughs> people were getting stuck. That was terrifying. Didn't you yeah. guys break someone's leg on the cargo net? No, someone's, someone got their foot <laughs> caught in it, and they were just like... <laughs> dangling. <laughs> like this. And I was like, I got you. But uh, I, honestly, I think some of my favorite the, my favorite times was when I just got to coach with you guys. We'd have like a big class and um, we would like tag team, like Connor, you're in. And then like I'd be in or Austin, whoever it was. And the energy and the experience. And it was just like every day was great, you know. Taking each other's classes and being nuisances in those classes. Oh, yeah. Was so fun. But I do miss the Thundercats. Mwah. Love you guys. Um, I'm going to go back to the questions. Matt Schweitzer said, it is strange to podcast. Is it strange to podcast with your shirt on, Connor? (laughs) Off the top. He has his shorts off, so just to balance it out. Completely nude from the waist down. Plus, we're at the TD Garden, so there's people walking by right now. They're looking in here. It wouldn't be good attention. It's, so you guys don't see this, but there's a window here, and it's literally the entryway to the North Station at TD Garden. These people don't know who we are, but they think we're important because of where we are. And if you see us waving, that's why. So I'm just pretending that I'm way more important than I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good to see you. Um, a couple other moments that are just maybe just good stories that I've had with Denise is at the annual, or, you know, they'll never happen again, um, what used to be the annual Trainers Summit is where all of the CrossFit trainers in the world were invited for a week. And it wasn't a weekend because we would work seminars on the weekend. So it was usually like a fly-in on Sunday, like a Monday, Tuesday, fly-out on Wednesday, or like a Tuesday, Wednesday, fly-out on Thursday, whatever. It was like a two-day, and it was an intensive course. There There were speakers that were brought in. There were professionals and masters of their craft on all sorts of things 
from speech, from studying, from any of those motivation. And we'd work with each other and we'd coach each other. So now you're talking about how to chase excellence is getting feedback from your peers. Now imagine your peers also being of that top tier trainer. However, we're not here to talk about that side of it. What we're talking about is there was always like a, a gathering at the end. And it was so good to catch up with all these like-minded people. It was fun. And there was always like a little dance off or a dance party with some of the people who could dance. And Denise and I, um, our significant others at the time, were very aware of our situations. But we were like, hey, we're going to do, or no, it started off because someone was like, Connor, I want you to do like a magic mic dance. Connor's a, a really good dancer. I, that needs to be prefaced. I am not. If it's the first time you've seen me dance, I'm a really good dancer. If it's the second time, you're like, <laughs> well, he's just kind of doing the same moves. Still <laughs> good. Still got. good. Um, anyways, long story short. So I was like, the only person appropriate in this that I can use is Denise. And so we did it and it was fun. We did the whole like shirt off magic mic thing. So the next year we're like, all right, we're going we're gonna to prep for this. So I'd watched Magic Mike 2, gotten some of the moves. And one of the moves, um, he grabs the girl, flips her upside down, dances, and then she, it's kind of like a dual hug, does a cartwheel onto a chair so that he, so I would be in a headstand and Denise would be sitting in the chair. Do a little dance and then do a front handspring off of that. And so we had to practice this a little bit. And there's not a whole lot of time to practice this move. So <laughs> we just get to the after party and we're like, all right, we got to practice this move. Um, so it's like I would pick her up, flip her up, and then like to do the cartwheel into the chair. And so we're practicing it and we're like laughing as we're practicing it because it's ridiculous. So we're in this like little back room and there was like a catering thing. So it was like dinner and everything was going on and like the music was already playing. So we're in this like little back room practicing this move. <laughs> And so I have Denise flipped upside down, like her butt is here, her legs are past here, and I'm like talking to her as if, like what I'm going to do next. And one of the servers <laughs> opens the door and looks in there, and I'm literally holding Denise in a handstand upside down, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. And I'm like, no, no, no. no it's not what, what it looks, looks, looks like. like. It's not what it looks like. It Anyways. was, no, it was, I, I mean, I think I was sat on the chair. Yeah, so, so I would, I, if you were right side up, this is you. This is your head. I would flip you up like this. Oh, that's right. And then I would yep. cartwheel onto a chair so that you were sitting upright. And then I was at a headstand in the chair. If you guys watch Magic Mike 2, you'll get it. Okay? Well, Connor and I, next time I, I go work out his gym, we'll reenact it for you. And um, we'll put it up. Yeah, we do that. We'll, that we'll TikTok live it. Yeah, um, we'll get zero likes. But you know, we talked about it too, about it being like this, this relationship of Denise and I, and maybe I didn't always see it as chasing excellence or as more so demanding excellence in this. And that is, it was, it was that we held each other accountable, but there were times when I was like, I don't think I like Denise. There are times, and it's not like, I don't like how Denise is behaving right now. It was times where I was like, I don't like her. <laughs> I, I don't like her. And then it was, you know, you'd slowly get back into it. But really all it was, it was never anything of, oh, I'm jealous or, oh, like she's after out to get me for this. It was just that each time we wanted the other person to do something to, to be better. And for when I first got there, I had a lot of work that I needed to do to get on that same level of coaching. And when we talk about good coaching, we mean effective coaching. The best coach in the world 
is the person who can affect the most amount of members while creating a relationship with them. You can be fantastic, but if no one's getting better in your class, if you're not able to actively improve, then it's, you know, there's people can still have a good time, but whoever can do that, connect with people and, and get them better by, you know, improving their movement, scaling workouts, doing all that stuff is going to be the best coach. And I had a lot of work to do, but there's, you know, it's, it's funny now to like look back on times where she's literally told me to my face, Connor, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't curse. It's like, oh, so, you know, so does but, that mean we have Monday or do we have Friday? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It, I'm, it's funny though. You say it's not funny. It's interesting. You say that because we were, we all, and I go back to Reebok and I talk about environment and how your environment really is everything. And we would often say it's not, it's not necessarily what you do. It's where you do it and who you do it with. And we all really did make each other better. There were things that when you came to Reebok, we learned, we learned like how to have fun as well as working hard. You, you've taught me like hustle, like what you've done from being like party boy Connor back in 2013 to what you're doing now. It's like just to be your friend throughout that, for, you know, ups and downs and sideways and backways. It's just, that's what true friendship is. And we, we don't always see eye to eye. We don't always hang out. We don't always get to spend as much time together as we want. Any of us, me, you, Pete, Kevin, uh, Spencer, Austin, like Jen, Kelly, Mel, like James, I could name them all, but we all think, I think we all played an integral part in each other's development, whether we were learning what we wanted to do or what we didn't want to do. So, and we said earlier, I don't know if we'll ever be able to recreate that environment again. And I just feel so lucky to have been a part of it. And the, the maturing over the years is you look often look back and you're like, man, was I like that? I'm so embarrassed of how I was back then, but I wouldn't change it, you know? Yeah, that it, we wouldn't be where we are. I think about even like Erica Snyder, like... Oh, Erica, I'm her sorry, and I, Schneider. Her and I, I mean, I liked her, but she, she didn't have a, a handful of words to say <laughs> to me for our entire time coaching there. And I think it was because the way that I came in, it was like our styles, our contrast was so different. But the amount of things that I learned from her without giving her necessarily credit, without maybe not even knowing it, and the way that she could connect and Mm -hmm. listen to people, the way that she was just such a good listener for that like two o'clock ladies class that adored her, who I still probably stay in touch with more people from that class than any other. And, you know, it is that there's differences. But the one thing that we had in common is that we were all maybe not always open to feedback, but we were all open to getting better. So it was like through that, you had to listen, get feedback, and you had to beg, borrow, and steal from other people that, that knew what they were doing or were more confident in certain areas. And I guess if there's something that's like not like, hey, these guys are just living their, their Halcyon days or reliving them, but it's like if you can find someone. I was talking about this at dinner last night with my friend Dan. And he's like, I, I look at my members and I'm like, that's the life I want. I'm going to do what they're doing. Or you look at the people around you and you're like, they're going to help elevate me. But when you look, find yourself looking around, you're like, everyone is looking for me to, for advice. It's not like you have to be like, hey, <laughs> fuck you peons. Like, I'm moving on. But it's like find people that, that push you to be better. And if you're getting uncomfortable in some of your friendships in that, it's probably a good thing. 
maybe you're not forced to uh, maybe you're not forced to be together. Maybe you're not forced to have to work together on a daily basis. But it's like that's how we became like this like family, mm-hmm. and, and it was and we pushed each other to, you know, the continuance of excellence. I don't want to be like, hey, excellence, like check the box, but I, I've yet to see another gym that that operated like we did. Yeah, and. I apologize for anyone that is like, is this just Denise and Connor talking about old times? But it is. Yeah. So if this is the only way we can get to talk, we will. But I, um, I, I, I am huge on the environment and that if you cannot change what's in front of you, then you need to change. Like, stop, don't complain about it, but you need to change. And that change might not be comfortable. And we, we keep talking about this comfort versus discomfort, but... Um, it's uh, that the, you, you can't get what you, you can't ask for something if you don't know what you want. You know, and it's like, hey, I want to be in this place. Well, what's it going to take to get there? And is that what you want? Because if you're not sure, then your steps getting there are going to be flimsy. Um, and for me, being at Reebok was always, it always felt right. It was always part of the puzzle. Um, and now I'm in a space where I'm exploring that again, and it's really exciting. So it's coming here, seeing you, and having this conversation is like, you know, it's firing me up. You know? It's fun because you, you think back to those days. And, you know, there are some people that have no idea what we're talking about, but I, I promise there's going to be people listening to this that were, that were living it. The, the people, they know, the Tommy P's, mm-hmm. the Tal the Shorts, the Emily Shorts, the, like all of these people that were there with us. And it's like not one of those people is like, that was okay. You know, it was always this, you know, it's always like we had something really special and it is cool and there is growth and there's, you know, the circumstances that brings us, that brings us away from it and things that change. But I'm just so grateful to have, I wouldn't be, I mean, as you know, and I always give you credit for this, but looking up to you as a mentor and what you did for me directly with the seminar staff stuff, whereas like, you know, Austin was like, you're representing us. You, your ability to do this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I know that I can't fuck up, but tell me <laughs> how to not fuck up. The pressure is on. I get it. Like, I feel it. Everyone else has made it. Yeah, everyone else. We have not had a single person <laughs> come through here. So, and I'm like, okay, don't, you know, don't do this stuff, which <laughs> reminds me of my second to last internship. The Chuck, what, the, with Chuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a good one. Or I just happened to be invited to Karyana and Bill's wedding. <laughs> never met Bill before, who now, like, I'm just so grateful for. Uh, amazing human. Yeah. But you get in there and do the intern thing. <laughs> you made it. Hey. And now what? Once a quarter? If we're lucky? Once a quarter, baby. Hey, I've had, I've done well over 100 seminars, though, so. They're always fun. We worked a seminar together at CrossFit Southie a midweek that I didn't know was a midweek until about two weeks before. <laughs> until before the notification for the next day. I was like, oh, but it is great. And it's amazing because of the people that you work with. Sure, the content is great. Sure, it's going to change your life. But that's not what makes the experiences great. I could go in and coach, you know, a room full of people that didn't want to be there, CrossFit, and change their lives. But it wouldn't be as good as coaching with people who cared, were passionate, empathetic, fun. It's, it's, it's amazing. I'm just grateful to be there. And, and, and a huge piece of that is you. I appreciate you. Now, if people want to get a hold of you, they're like, okay, this is Denise Thomas. Like, I want to learn more about her. How can they find you? What are your socials? What's your phone number? What's your social security number? 
Zero net now. Um, if you want to get hold of me, you can email me at my CrossFit email, denise.thomas at crossfit.com. You can see me on Instagram, denthomas7. And I also... That's D-E-N-T-H-O-M-A-S, the number seven. Thank you. Sometimes Thank it's you. hard with your accent. We have the monopoly. And, um, and also, if you want to get a little bit more help on coaching, you can go to the Coach Development Program Instagram too, which is Coach Development Prog, because it's too long to have the whole thing. Um, and if you're a coach out there and you're interested in just looking at what other people are doing in terms of lesson plans, you can go to DT Lesson Plans. That's an Instagram account too, and I just go on there and post lesson plans that I write for my classes and hope that other people enjoy them. But uh, yeah, email me and then we can get on a call. I, I love talking to coaches that really want to get better and they they want to talk about how they do that. So it's, that's I don't give that out lightly. I truly mean it. So hit me up. Quite the efficacy rate of people that want to work with Denise and their improvement in coaching. And I will say that as a person who has seen it with a thousand other people and then from myself. So if she's giving that out, I would suggest doing it. Or maybe if you don't want to get better, just stay in your ways. I'm sure that'll work out great for you. Um, and if you go to find us um, at Big Night Fitness on Instagram, uh, www.bignightfitness.com. We'll have our podcast there. We have our classes. We have our uh, retreat, which you can't book anymore, but we're going to Mexico for a fitness retreat with Sarah Mangelson, and it's going to be fantastic. Um, if you want to reach out to me and send me hate mail, you can do that to my Instagram account at Connor T. Murphy, C-O-N-O-R-T-M-U-R-P-H-Y. Uh, more than anything, I, just, I appreciate you guys listening in. I know a lot of these, uh, Denise has some incredible insight and just, uh, I was really happy to get to tap into that. There's a whole lot more where that came from, but I know a lot of these, these uh, you know, this turned into just a conversation between her and I, but I hope that you have uh, friendships and relationships where you can you know, kind of count on and um, have those type of people that you can learn with, you can grow with, you can get mad at, um, you can curse out and then hug the next day. Uh, so just very, very grateful. Thank you, Denise, for coming on the show. And we'll see you next time we see you.